The Money Show. Other people's money. Get on to Dave Ford in just a moment, but a couple of you looking for the name of the book this evening. Uh, the book is called The Long Game. This is the book Ian Mann reviewed, fabulous review by Ian Mann as always. Author is called Dory Clark. Hopefully that, uh, you, that you, you know, jogs your memory. Um, Dave Ford is the Chief Investment Officer at Ford Asset Management. He's made his money by managing other people's money. He's the founder, Chief Investment Officer at the boutique investment firm Ford Asset Management. You started in the industry, Dave, I think at the end of the 1970s, and by 1981, you already had started Ford. You clearly didn't have much time for corporate. What was the, the backstory to why you spent so little time um, in the big um, gorillas of the day uh, to set up office uh, for yourself so soon afterwards. Uh, good evening, Bruce. Uh, thanks for the opportunity to share some insights with your listeners. Yeah, I suppose quite uh, a strong view to start so young, the age of 29, start their own business. Yeah. But I felt that there was a, a lack of independent advice in the market with um, too many people getting advice from building societies who just wanted deposits and banks also wanted deposits and stockbrokers who just wanted to churn and life officers who just wanted to sell uh, life policies. So it was clear to me that there was a, a gap for independent advice. And um, that's how we started. And Liston was very good to, to join me. And um, we were lucky with some early breaks and, and got through. The list you refer to... Uh, uh, the listing you refer to, I'm sure, is Liston Mankey, see, who's also yeah, got a, a, a fiercely independent streak um, and a fiercely independent mind. Um, how did you two meet up? Did you did you both work in the same institution before? How did that relationship start? We were both we were both working at Old Mutual. Okay. Um, when we met, um, I was then subsequently working at National Mutual of Australia. But we stayed together. We were playing bridge. So, you know, we were house guests on, on different matters. And, um, yeah, I had the idea. And he, he liked the idea, but wasn't as committed long-term to it as I, I was. And, um, yeah, at the end of the and day, I don't think we made as much independence and advice as we, as we could have and should have. But we, that's how we started. You, you've been managing other people's money for more than... 40 years. How different is your approach to money today compared to 40 years ago? Do you still stick to the same principles as you started off with? I've learned a lot as we go along, and I'm still learning more and more as I get older. So, you know, we have evolved in a lot of ways. Uh, in other ways, no, it's all, um, you know, earnings and follow the earnings and be independent and be wary of what the sell side is saying um, and um, basic principles of common sense still apply and value is a future earning stream at a great price. All those things we, we learnt in the early years. And value investing out of fashion for an awfully long time because there's just been this, this I suppose, this fuel of growth 
investments by virtue of the fact that the world has been you know, had low interest rates for a record period of time since 2008, since the global financial crisis, uh, with two bursts of huge central bank funding coming into financial systems around the world, first time in 2008, and now tapering off from from this last crisis. Um, being a value investor in this environment must have been very difficult to to stick to your principles or not. Well, it, it has been, but we weren't um, old-fashioned value investors right at the beginning. As I said just now, value is a future earnings stream at a great price. So mm. if the earnings are going to grow, the cash flow is going to grow, then your growth stocks are, are great value. Do you invest in your own funds exclusively? I'm sure you put money into your own funds. Um, or, or do you, do you, do you, how do you work your own money? The majority of my money is in our own funds and my family money is in our own funds. That's, I mean, again, you, I don't suppose you could do it any other way in, in, terms of, um, in, in terms of saying, look, I mean, I put my money in, yeah, I put my family's future in this philosophy. It's a, is, is, it a, is it sort of been a core value of yours from the start? Yeah, no, we definitely believe in the product. Why, why should we not invest our own money and our own family money in, in our in, investment offerings? The last figure I found for the amount of money that you have invested is $9 billion um, that you invest on behalf of um, ordinary people, retail investors, and big institutional investors across various parts of the world. But $9 billion, that's a, a, a considerable base of money. How many people do you have working with you um, to, to manage that volume of money? We have about 40, 40 people in SA and um, 10 people in Singapore. And what is it about Singapore? Um, Singapore suddenly seems to be uh, the, this new frontier. The, the Oppenheimers have opened up an office there. I spoke to the man from Karoo the other day. The founder of Time Bank is sitting there and has got this great Asia expansion strategy. You're spending quite a lot of time, as I understand it, um, in, in Singapore as well. What is it about Singapore at the moment that is drawing so much capital? Well, I've been resident in Singapore for over 10 years, Bruce. Um, and it's it's very attractive. It's one of the better places to be in the world. It's got English law, and it's a small country, and small countries are often run better. But the countries run well from a financial point of view, one of the few in the world. So they generally run a surplus, but in times of trouble, they run a deficit, and they help people out with that deficit. And the savings from the surplus years are substantial and they invest that wisely and they have an income from that surplus which is bigger than the budget. And compare that to other countries in the world like Japan and America or whatever where interest on the debt is a major portion of the budget. In South Africa. So <laughs> it's a good place, good yeah. place to be if you you know want, want to ensure that your, your wealth uh, lasts. I was talking to Zach Calisto the other day. And he was saying, "Yeah, he likes living in Singapore. Um, is, is it? A, is it a? Uh, it, it seems you know, it's, it's a small place. It seems you know, fairly intimate. You've got to like your neighbours very much. Um, is it a fun place to be? It is. There's lots of excitement because there's lots of growth around in the in the countries around. Um, and you've got the Asian growth story, so there's lots of opportunity. So yeah, and the food is fantastic from all around the world, um, and it's very safe. Yeah, it's a lovely place to live." 
And those are, those are key factors, aren't they? I mean, it's all well and good to be making lots of money and to be putting money aside for, for the future. But if you struggle to see the future in your jurisdiction, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of particularly thinking about South Africa and South Africans at the moment. Um, you know, there's so many lessons we can learn from the likes of Singapore and many other jurisdictions about that security of tenure, if you like, um, that faith in the future. And, and so many people are losing that faith in the future in South Africa. Well, the future is always uncertain and it's always darkest before dawn um, and things evolve and things change. So, and South Africa is not the only place where there are problems. Sure. But yeah, the, the competency of government is, is a problem here, but it's also a, a problem in lots of other countries. Um, so there's actually only a few places that, um, that stand out as being ideal to, to reside. Dave Ford is the Chief Investment Officer at Ford Asset Management. Some uh, more questions on money and his philosophy towards money and um, what it takes to be able to take the long view. Ian Mann's book this evening fits so well into the theme that we're talking about with Dave Ford this evening. He, of course, reviewed a book called The Long Game uh, by Dory Clark. It is a Washington Times bestseller. Um, and it's a case of taking that long view, which is what Dave Ford has done for the last 40 years in investing other people's money. He is our guest this evening on Other People's Money. The Money Show. Other People's Money. Founder and Chief Investment Officer for 40 years at Ford Asset Management is Dave Ford. What's the best money decision you've ever made, Dave? Is it possible to narrow it down to one? Well, I'm glad you said money decision because the best uh, investment I made is the family. But uh, money decision, <laughs> I, I bought an apartment in Cape Town and on plan in about 1997 and I changed one item in the offer to purchase so that I would pay on transfer and the building was a bit delayed so I paid 1.6 million and I saved 800,000 of interest because the the delay was the <laughs> developer's issue not mine I then spent about 600,000 rand um, on furnishing and fittings etc um, and uh, two years ago, before I renovated that apartment, uh, it was worth about 50 million rand. What? Oh, that's a, that's a, a 25 bagger. So that's by far my best money. Uh, Really, I mean, people. People are so disparaging about property. In, in, in I mean, again, this wasn't. An inve- I'm assuming it wasn't an investment property. I'm assuming you, you lived in it. Um, once you took transfer, of course, after the Asian crisis, and you'd saved all that money in interest as interest rates spiked up. Um, but I mean, it's an extraordinary rise in value. Um, it is. Over that, the over important that thing is, I, I still own it, and I'm sitting in it now, and, and that's the key to keep it for the full twenty odd years. So many people make the mistake of trading property, buying small properties and then buying, going from the shoebox to a shoebox with an extra bedroom. And then, oh, hang on, there's a child coming, we need a spare room. And, and, and it's, you pay transfer duties every time and the rates and, oh, it's just horrendous, isn't it? It's a real destroyer it's a of wealth. It is enormous. Um, the, I, I'd like I, to give, I, I, give, give, give sorry, a bit yeah. on property there if I may, Bruce. Sure, please. If people trying to save, and you know, the money show, we're talking about people's money, and yep. property is a good way to save. But in your person's lifestyle, about 20, 25% goes on rent or the bond, etc. 
So just flip that around. If you've got four properties, you live in one, the other three give you your income, you don't need to work. And that's what you should sort of aspire to is own those four properties. And it's not that difficult to do, but it's, it, it, it's simple in concept, but more difficult to do because you get different issues. And what happens is as people get older, they don't want to live in that first property or their spouse doesn't want to. So they end up consuming more than they should. But if they keep to that principle of four properties and living in the standard of the property in which they can afford the income or those four properties, then they'll become financially independent. And that can happen to people at the, in, in the smaller levels of, of saving. And that's a concept that I would like people to get their mind around. It's a wonderful concept. And I, I know a large number of people who do Precisely. I mean, they don't stop working when they've got the four properties, um, but they're, they're, it's it's a long-term strategy. Paying for those properties over a period of time as quick as you can, get other people to pay off the bonds, uh, and then you will sit with that income. Um, and you can make choices. Say, if you started the strategy at the age of 25, you, by the time you're 50, you, you should be in the clear, shouldn't you? Absolutely. What, it's a very can, good that strategy. Pr- can that principle apply in investment markets as well? Absolutely. But the, the, the key is that you need to cut your coat according to your cloth, like, you know, Makova said about the annual expenditure, etc. So you can do it in other asset classes if you're getting the return. I had a 10-year plan when I was 25. I had a 10-year plan to save 100,000 rand. And I was earning 900 rand a month since so I was earning 10,000 a year. So if I could get to 100,000 then I would have another income equal to my salary. And after 10 years, it's a long time, but after 10 years, if you do that again, in five years' time, I've got another X. And in 3.3 years' time, you've got another X. So, And then in two and a half years' time, you've got another X. So after 20 years, you've got 5X. So your income, you've got four times your salary. But it's your beginning salary, not your end salary. And that's where people go wrong, is they're always trying to catch up. And their expenditure is always a little bit before their salary or before their investments are mature. And cutting your coat according to your cloth and making sure that you don't spend more than you earn, like McCorba advised, is very important. The, the uh, I think possibly the most common money mistake that most people make is that consumption now and deferring investing to some mythical point in the future when they'll have more and will be able to invest for the future. The time frames, time frames, time frames get because people don't understand this, this, the magic. And I think what you've built your business on and what you've built your life on and what you're explaining to us now is the principle of compounding, which is very hard yeah, that's for lots why of people the second, to grasp. The first 10 years is very difficult. But the next 10 years is much easier. But most people don't get to year five, let alone to year 10. Yeah. And, you know, the credit card is, is, is the big problem, as somebody explained to me the other day. You know, credit card's a problem because it gets people to buy something they don't need with money they don't have to impress people they probably don't like. <laughs> exactly right. Have you, have you made any money mistakes? You can be honest with us here. I mean, as, as the great Dave Ford made a mistake, you sort of sit back and you look at it. I've and made think, some major oh, mistakes, and my, my, my biggest mistake is Steinoff and not enough said. 
Okay. Now, we don't want to talk about Steinhoff other than if it's about jail yeah. terms. Nor, nor, nor do I. <laughs> um, no, I mean, and, and so, yes, okay, that, that one that you do want to talk about, one that you can share that perhaps we would relate to if beyond Steinhoff, because Steinhoff was a, an abomination of a breakdown of trust. It really was. Um, what, what else is there? Oh, there's plenty. I make mistakes all the time. And one of my one of my mistakes is um, hanging on too long to mm-hmm. items which are not working. Another mistake I made was under was take getting used to the valuation levels overseas. So it took me a little bit of time to understand to pay up. I'm very conservative. I hate paying up, so I'm, I'm perennially finding a great investment, um, and they're not paying enough enough for it, not getting enough of it, and then it runs away, then I'm definitely not going to pay 10 Rand for it today when I could have bought it for 8 Rand yesterday. So plenty of mistakes all the time. Um, and that's, that's that's part of the game, I think. Not going to get uh, all things right. And that's, that's what people need to understand, is if you're not making mistakes, you're not learning, you're not trying. And it's important to to get through those mistakes and don't try and do something. Don't expect not to make mistakes. And it goes to the Buffett philosophy also, I suppose. You, know, you, have to, you, you will make mistakes along the way, but as long as you have more winners than losers, you will be fine. You'll be better off than people who weren't engaged in the first place. Correct. Dave Ford, in his property that he bought in 1997 for not very much money and very, um, very smartly um, uh, paid, the, paid only on transfer and there was a delay and so he saved a lot of money on his interest that was his first and biggest win uh, from 1997 but Dave Ford thank you for sharing your wisdom with us this evening what a fabulous insights you've given us tonight the Chief Investment Officer at Ford Asset Management Dave Ford this evening if you missed part of that discussion or you want to listen to it again the podcast will be up shortly